Our scripture today comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, and you will find it printed on the back of your devotional, so please make sure you pick one up um, today if you haven't received one already. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the one who is first over all creation, because all things were created by him, both in the heavens and on the earth, the things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He existed before all things and all things are held together in him. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the one who is first born from among the dead, so that he might occupy the first place in everything. Because all of the fullness of God is placed to live in him. Because all of the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. And he reconciled all things to himself through him, whether things on earth or in, in the heavens. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. Jesus is the word of God for all people. Well, no one said it to my face, but I'm wondering if someone thought, there she goes, Pastor Cindy, telling people to be thankful, writing thanks on gifts tag to remember the gifts that God has given us. Doesn't she know about the flooding in Liberia last month? Thousands, thousands who died, others, others trying to rebuild their lives, mourning over friends and families they lost. Doesn't she know there are people in the Middle East dying? Doesn't she know about bombings and kidnappings or, or that the war in Ukraine has not ended? Doesn't she know? And really, is that how we are supposed to think and feel in a world in which there is such pain when it seems like the world is falling apart? I'm thankful for the food on the table when others don't have any. I'm thankful that I am safe when others are not. As disciples of Jesus, in trying to decide on how we think and what attitudes we should have, we turn to Jesus for guidance. And one of the things he taught is to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to see the world differently from others. He taught us to see a kingdom of God, a heavenly realm, and an earth that was not up to the standards of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus begins his ministry saying, look up, look out. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand and because you aren't right, repent. Repent and hear the good news. 
two worlds, two realms, two realms, and, and both are present if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, to see differently, to see with faith, to listen differently, to listen with faith, and grieve, and grieve that the world is not as it should be. And yet, at the same time, give thanks that evil does not have the last word, that death is not the end, that Christ still holds the universe together, that Jesus still tends the sick, still eats with those who are cast out, still feeds multitudes who are hungry, still weeps with those outside the tomb, like he did with Mary and Martha when they mourned for their dead brother Lazarus. And when he holds a loaf of bread, he sees his own body nailed to a cross, torn apart by a world that rejects him, and he sees what is to come and gives thanks. What he is about to do will bring about peace. And for that, he thanks God. And at the end of that last supper with his disciples, he holds up a cup of wine and he sees his blood poured out. But not just violence that's random, that means nothing, but to bring about a new covenant, a new way of being in relationship with God and one another. He looks out at the world and see two realities. The world of the cross, the world in which the innocent suffer, the world in which the high priest Caiaphas looks for a scapegoat to take the blame, saying it's better for one to die than for all of our people to perish. The world in which Pilate says, I don't find any fault with this man, and yet crucifies him anyway to protect himself and what he has. In the bread and the wine, Jesus simultaneously sees the cross, the pain, the brokenness, the suffering, and resurrection, and the end of sin, and the end of death. It will bring about people who know that they are loved by God, who can draw near to God without fear. He breaks down any barriers between people saying, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Be a new family, a family so in tune with God and one another that it's like we are one body and not just any one body, like we are the body of Christ. And Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, he gave thanks. Two visions, two ways of seeing a world that is not the way it should be, people who are not the way they should be, and God at work bringing reconciliation and healing and new life. That's why on the, on the prayer on the front, you see two visions, two ways of, of seeing the world being aware of God's presence and giving thanks to God that no matter what, every day, in every way, in every situation, there's a way to, to give thanks to God, to give thanks to God the Father through Christ. And then at the end, there's prayers, 
Prayers for our world, our church, those near to us and ourselves, and an offering of ourselves to God, knowing that the world is not as it should be, and that we too, we too can live into that joy set before us. We too can pray for others, pray for the world. The world does not need people who are just thankful for what they have and ignore the pain of others. And the world does not need people who are stuck in grieving and sorrow for all that's wrong, overwhelmed, stuck in front of laptops and and iPads and phones, doom scrolling, and stuck in front of the TV 24 hours, stuck in conversations about how wrong everything is and how wrong everyone else is. The world needs people who can see, see reality for what it is and who can see that reality of God is at work and God has not given up and give thanks for that and give thanks for that. And not just say the prayer on earth as it is in heaven, but be part of that prayer to train gratitude muscles and look for the loveliness beauty, the hope in God's kingdom and say, yes, there are hungry people and I'm so thankful for the beauty and joy of serving at Lawrenceville Co-op, that there is a way, a way to reach out to those who are hungry, to give thanks for people who care enough to give their time, who care enough to give what they have. Thus, the world, the world is one in which we feel isolated and where it feels like we are disconnected and where it feels like things are out of control and, and people wondering, is this all there are? And yet, yet we give thanks that there's a group of men who say, we're going to get together every month and we're going to do things like grill burgers and eat pizza and do these battle bot things. I saw these battle bot things in the fellowship hall. I do not know what they were doing with those. Uh, but, but we're going to live life with rhythm, with a rhythm, not just stay mired in all that's wrong, but a rhythm in which we are reminded of who God is and who we are, in which in this rhythm we're reminded to connect with God and to connect with people who also trust God, a rhythm, a rhythm that, that builds relationships with God and, and one another. There's so many wrong ways to think about God, and, and that's part of why Paul was writing that church in Colossians. They, they saw, they saw wrong ways, they're hearing wrong ways of, of thinking about God. Some people are telling them, you need more than Jesus. You need more than, than trusting in Jesus. Jesus was a Jew and he followed the Torah. You need to follow all the law too. And, and that means eating a certain way and walking a certain way only so far on Sunday. And, and that means doing this and doing that and observing Sabbath and doing this and doing that. And, and you got to do it in a certain way. You, need to, you just can't say, I trust in Jesus. You can't just trust in Jesus. You need to do all of this too. You need to do all of this too. And, and it kind of reminds me of... of of Seinfeld, 
and the soup Nazi. Do you remember the soup Nazi? Because that's kind of the image some people have of God. You know, the soup Nazi, you got to stand a certain way in line. You, got, you can only say certain things. You say the wrong things, and that's it. And that's how some people see, see God is waiting for you to do just the wrong thing, and that's it. Done with you. I've already given you this world. Look what you've done with this. I give up. And, and, then, and, and God is not the grace Nazi who says, no grace for you. No grace for you. I gave you good stuff. You couldn't even stand in line. No grace for you. Wrong image like that of having to do, of having to be a certain way, way beyond our capabilities. We could give up. We could give up. But Paul, Paul sends them this beautiful hymn to sing again and again those verses we read, this beautiful hymn to sing and again. And remember that it is about what Christ has done. Not you standing in line the right way. Not you praying the right prayer words. Not you and living exactly right. God has not given up on you and God has made a way. And, and it's not about what you have done. It is about blood that is shed on the cross and what God has done for you if you will trust in that and in a world of so much hurting and so much pain and so much violence and and natural disasters it it would be easy to say easy to say well that that God cares about some people and not about others There are Christians who will tell you that God decided who would be saved and who would not before they were even born. That God has the, this, this power, and he does, to determine who will be saved. Some who will say, we do not have any choice in the matter. Doesn't matter what you do. It's God that determines. That God doesn't give us opportunities to choose. John Wesley said that an image of God like that, that's worse than the devil. And you read this hymn again and again. And you see how Jesus reacted to the pain of the world. He does not stay distant. He does not remain aloof. But comes in the flesh and says, I will suffer with you. I will let you choose. Even if you choose to destroy me. I'll place myself as a baby in the care of young mother and her fiancé. I'm going to entrust my life to people. To people. I'm going to trust in you that when you see my love and when you know me, when you truly know me, You'll understand who I am. 
the hymn, Paul says. And you know hymns. You sing them over and over and over. And you sing Amazing Grace at every single funeral. Because there are some words you need to hear again and again. And Paul sends words like that. You want to know what God is like. God is not the, like the gods that you knew when you were, were, were apart from God, when you were living and, and worshiping the gods of, of Colossians, the gods that were, if you didn't appease them, they would hurt you. If you didn't give the right sacrifices, then there was no telling what they would do. God is not like that. God is like Jesus. And you want to know what God is like. You want to know if God cares. You look at Jesus. And he sends them a hymn to say again and again and again. He existed before all things. All things are held together through him. When it seems like the world is falling apart, Jesus still holds it all together. Jesus, and, 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 and that beautiful verse, that beautiful verse about, about how he, he wanted, he was pleased to come and be with us. Pleased, the fullness of God was pleased to live in him. He wanted, wanted to be with us. This wasn't a, well, I guess I will force myself to die for those people who don't deserve my love, but I'm going to do it anyway. He was pleased to make a way to do anything for you. Do anything to you. To be in relationship with you. Ed taught our boys to say thank you for supper and kiss his mama. I tell you what, it wasn't just Matt who felt awkward. These little boys kissing me on the cheek and saying thank you for supper. But it occurred to me at the time that should they marry when they grew up and they have the habit of thinking that, that when a partner did something to say thank you, well, that might be good for the marriage. It might be a good thing. And you know, it, it is true. It is true that, that when, we're, when we're thinking of someone to be thankful for and we write it down and we say thank you, thank you for that person, it, Changes the way you, you feel about them. I look through my old lists of thank yous. I have books and books of thank yous. I'm trying to be more thankful. There's one that says, I'm thankful for Ed snoring. <laughs> Waking up in the middle of the night and hearing the rumble. I'm thankful that he's here. I'm thankful thankful and and when you write down the reasons why you're thankful for someone and the the characteristics that bring joy and 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 you think about the good it changes your relationship with that person it changes your relationship with that person 
And when we write down the reasons, we're thankful, thankful to God. It deepens our relationship with God. It helps us to trust God. And is that not what the world needs? People who see the world with eyes of faith, people who trust in God, get their lives in love for God and love for other people. Let us pray. To see you rightly, to see you as creator, oh dear Jesus, to see you as creator and know that the God of the Old Testament is the same as you are. To see you, to see you, Lord, as bringing about all that is and to give thanks, to give thanks. To trust you as head of the body, head of the church, and to know, to know that when we connect with one another and connect with you, when we trust in you, when we live rhythms, rhythms of gratitude and joy, you shape and form us to trust that you have done enough. You have done enough out of love, out of love. This kind of trust we pray for. Amen. Amen. If it's helpful for you to stand, please stand and sing with us in closing worship. <laughs>